Hello. We're going. Good. How's it going? Good. Good. I was going to do uh, Zara's announcements there. She basically preached my sermon in two minutes. So I don't really need to do my sermon anymore. I can just do more announcements. But I will still subject you to it anyway. Do not worry. All right. Good morning. Everyone's feeling good? Ready to go? For those of you that don't know me, my name is Gary. I'm one of the elders here at Journey Community Church. And this morning we're going to finish our series Gone Fishing. I did the graphics for this. I went for a Nemo vibe. I hope, hopefully you're all, you all picked up on that and you liked it. Uh, the thinking was that Nemo is kind of like a modern day take on the parable of the lost sheep. You get that? You know, the father goes out to find his son and bring him back home. That was the thinking at the time anyway. Um, whether or not that t- fully ties in or not, I don't really know, but sure. We'll get on with it and we're finishing the series. But what we've been trying to get at with this series is that there is a whole world out there of people who need to encounter Jesus. There's a whole world of people out there who need to know who Jesus is. And the good news for you this morning is that his chosen vessel to deliver that message is you. Each and every single one of you. That's an exciting place to start, isn't it? Who's excited by that? That's good. That was better than I expected. Well done. Good. You'll either find that really exciting or you'll find it really scary. You might even find it both scary and exciting at the same time. If you're a bit like me, uh, I'm a little bit more on the introverted side. I'm sometimes a little bit socially inept, so I hate having to to work Jesus into conversations and tell people about Jesus. It's just not my natural place to be. I'm socially awkward. Um, If you tell me your name in a conversation, I will have forgotten it by the time we finish talking about the weather. I'm sorry, I've tried all the tricks. I will remember it if we've had about three or four conversations. By then I will pick it up. That's just who I am. I say things that are awkward. I find myself in awkward situations and there's a constant loop in my head of things that I've said that just continually plays on. I think, Jesus, why? Why, Jesus, did I say that thing at that particular time? Sometimes I even say those things up here on the stage and this is the worst place you could possibly do it and they continue to stick and be stuck in my head. So, not the most skilled in the social arena. It's okay. I'm happy with who I am. It's fine. I'm not the most skilled. So I'm not going to be the evangelist that's standing on the street corner. I'm not going to be the one out there walking up to random people and saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Uh, and doing that. Love those guys. Love what they're doing. It's just not me. And to be honest, it's probably not a lot of you either. But the good news is sharing the gospel has many different forms and formats. There's so many ways that you can tell people about Jesus, but there is some things that are consistently true when it comes to sharing the gospel. The first is that we are all called to do it. There's no exceptions. No one is excluded. You know, I asked God about this and he confirmed, yes, no one is excluded. I tried my arm at that one. He said, no, Gary, you just have to do it. It's for everyone. No one is excluded. And secondly, the best way to share the gospel is to serve The best way to share the gospel is to live it. And by living it, we serve on Jesus' behalf. We're called to serve and show people who Jesus is. We're called to go fish, as we're putting it with this series. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have any great fishing stories. Uh, My only fishing story that I have from my life is a non-fishing story. It's not gone fishing, it's non-fishing. And then I never actually got to go. 
Very sad. I know there's a little violin. We don't have the violin today, but if it was, I would bring them up to play for this little story. But I remember when I was maybe 10 or 11, there was a significant enough figure in my life, um, and they would always go fishing. We had a river out the back of our, not out the back of our house, it sounds like I live in an estate or something. We had a, a river that was quite far out the back of the house. There was a couple of farms you had to cross over and get to, but this person would always be out. They'd be out fishing all the time, whenever fishing season is. I don't really remember. Um, but I, as a young boy, maybe 10 or 11, would always wander off, cross the fields, go down to the river, and see what they were up to, because they were there all the time. So I thought, you know, fishing must be really exciting. There must be a lot going on there. So I went down as a young boy to go and see what they were doing, and I thought, you know, I, I want to give this a go. I want to try this fishing business. So they said, right, okay, we'll, we'll not do it here. We'll go and we'll get a boat, and we'll make a day of it, and we'll turn it into a proper thing for your first fishing experience. And that trip never happened. Oh, very sad. It's okay. I've had TT. It's fine. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, why is he telling us that story? That's a terrible story to start with, Gary. It's a terrible place to start with. Well, the reason I'm telling that story is, number one, it's the only fishing story I have. Sorry, but it's the only one I've got in my repertoire. And number two, when I sat down to prepare for this sermon, I was chatting with God. I was going, how am I going to teach about fishing? How am I going to authentically pull some things about fishing when I've never actually been? I don't have any stories or any good jokes even about fishing. And God said, well, actually, Gary, you do have one story. And that was it. So when I came to prepare, God brought that to my mind. And the reason I tell you that story is because I remember as I was growing up, in our garage, we had this old cupboard. And the fishing rods, after a while, got put away. And they were put in this old cupboard. Uh, and the person that was going fishing stopped going. And I remember as I grew up as a boy going out and seeing those fishing rods lying in the cupboard, gathering dust, and nobody was doing anything with them. And I remember thinking, every time I seen them, what would that trip have been like? You know, what would it have been like to go fishing? Like, how significant would that have been for me if I had got to experience that? And I remember thinking, you know, what would be different if I had got to go and do that? And what I, want believe, what I believe that God wants us to know this morning and what God is trying to tell us this morning with that story is that some of you in this room have gifts. You have abilities, you have talents, you have faith even that is so powerful in the kingdom, it could change people's lives. But we choose to put it in a cupboard and let it gather dust. We have things that God, that God has given us that we put in a cupboard and we let it gather dust. You know, everyone has a calling. God has a plan for each of our lives in this room. And we have these calls in our lives that God has given to us that could be so impactful for those around us, but we choose to hide them away because we're scared to put ourselves out there. We're scared to step out and take hold of what God has for us. And what that does is it robs the church of an encounter with Jesus. And more than that, it robs someone who maybe doesn't have any faith or is new in their faith of an encounter with Jesus. Because the way in which Jesus works through your life cannot be worked out in anyone else. The way in which people can see Jesus through you cannot be replicated in anybody else. There is a call that is specific to you. I know when we talk about calling or purpose, you know, sometimes it can seem like this grand idea, you know, this pie in the sky idea of like something so huge, how are we ever going to get to that? But what I want you to know this morning is that Jesus makes this so simple. Jesus makes this so simple because all that he asks is for you to bring what you have to the table. Like Mara was saying this morning. Bring what you have to the table and be willing to serve. 
You don't need to worry about the grand idea. Just turn up. Just look at what's right in front of you right now. So that's where we're going this morning. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open them up to John 21. And we will read from there. We're going to go all the way down from verse 1 to verse 19. So Jesus appears to the seven disciples. After this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of his other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish... And this was now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Okay, so big passage, quite a lot in there, but it builds context, and there's a few things that we need to touch on this morning in relation to this passage. Firstly, to try and understand what's going on here. If you're familiar with Peter, you will know that he was the disciple in the Gospels who denied Jesus three times. This is in the lead up to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. It's recorded in all the Gospels, but in John 13, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. In the account recorded in Matthew, Peter actually goes as far to say, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. So that's our first point of reference. As we know, Peter did go on to deny Jesus three times. You'll notice in the passage in John 21, Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. Do you love me? Now this passage is often used to show the restoration of Peter to ministry. 
the restoration of his call to the kingdom after his slight slip up in denying Jesus. And when we first see the interaction in John 13, Peter tells Jesus he's willing to lay down his life and follow him. But Jesus tells Peter, where I am going, you cannot go yet. You cannot go yet. But in John 21, we see Jesus making it clear to Peter that he will lay down his life for him. And he says to Peter very clearly, follow me. And one of the points I want to make this morning is that it's at this point in John 21 that Peter is actually ready to follow Jesus. You see, he wasn't ready to follow him before the crucifixion, but now he is. You see, before he had the desire, but not the ability. He had the desire to be faithful. The intention was there, but when push come to shove, he walked away. He denied Jesus. Now, Jesus knew this beforehand, and he loved him anyway, just as he knows each of our failures, and still he loves us anyway. But I find it interesting in these passages that after everything that happened, after Jesus' crucifixion, he appears to them after the resurrection, the disciples seem to just go back about their business. They're back together in Galilee again. And the way it's written in the Bible, it's almost as if they're not quite sure what they're supposed to do next. They're not quite sure what they're actually supposed to be doing. And you'll have to imagine that Peter, at these moments, is just playing his denial over and over again in his head, kind of like I do with all those awkward and silly things I say. Thankfully, I can laugh those off, but this one is a little bit more serious. He denied Jesus. And I have to think that maybe Peter, in this situation, maybe he's thinking, you know, I have messed this up. How can the guy who denied Jesus three times be fit for service in the kingdom? How can I tell people about Jesus when they know what I did? And we see here that even after their first encounters with the resurrected Jesus, the disciples have not set about the mission. They haven't really started to build the church to spread the good news. And sometimes as Christians, we can find ourselves in that place, just not really sure what we're supposed to do next. You know, I've been there. If you give your life to Jesus, it's new, it's exciting. You want to be involved in as much as you can. You're reading your Bible every day. You're going to all the things. You're doing what you, all the things that you think you're supposed to do. But what can happen is that you settle yourself into a nice, comfortable rhythm. You get used to a new way of life. You just start doing things because that's what you've always done. You get nice and comfy. And the thing about that is that comfort sets in where there is an absence of mission. Comfort sets in where there is an absence of mission. How comfortable are your seats this morning? Comfort sets in when there is an absence of mission. And I want to make that point this morning because we, as a church, we're 10 years in. It's amazing, isn't it? All the things that God has done in our church and continues to do is incredible. But there is a new season coming. God is only getting started. You know, we could be comfortable here. We could be nice and happy with what we've got. But God has so much more for us. So this has happened to me before. You know, I got nice and comfortable. I've been in the boat. You know, we see that resurrection. We have that encounter with Jesus. It changes our lives. But we just carry on doing our lives. Not really sure what we're supposed to do next. And if you don't have a clear vision for your life, if you don't have a clear call or a clear mission, you will settle yourself back into what's comfortable. You will find yourself back fishing, casting out the nets and not really seeing much return. Just going through the motions of life, being nice to people. That's what Christians do, isn't it? We're nice to people. We don't cause a fuss. You know, people say things like, oh, you're one of those good living types. 
Now, I didn't grow up in the church. I became a Christian at 19. I remember when I was maybe 20 or 21, I overheard someone describe me as good living. I didn't really know if that was an insult or a compliment, so I didn't really know where to go with that one. But God has more for us than to be good living. He has a mission. He has a call for your life, and he has put everything in you that you need to accomplish it. So what is the mission? At a basic level, it's Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Go fish. You know, luckily for Peter, while he's returned to his quiet fishing village and he's just aimlessly fishing, Jesus turns up and Jesus shows him a better way. He says, cast the net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. So they cast it out and they're not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Jesus turns up and he says, why don't you try things my way? And what we see in these passages that follow is that Jesus is not only restoring Peter personally, but he is restoring him to mission. And he actually lays out Peter's mission very clearly. And one thing I want you to understand this morning to take away from this is that in order for Peter to get to this place, he had to go through his previous season. In order for him to have the faith that he needed for the mission, in order for him to find his calling, he had to first walk through his weakness. See, Peter needed to deny Jesus. He needed to deny him at that point so he would be ready not to when he gets further down the road. So wherever you're at in your walk with God this morning, you might feel like you've lost your fire. You might feel like you don't have anything to offer or you don't have the right skill set. But guess what? God is not finished with you yet. Your story is not over. And if you find yourself in a moment of weakness, it actually just opens the door for something amazing on the other side. It opens the door for God to use your life when you truly realize it's not through your strength. It's not through your abilities that God is going to use you. It's actually through your weakness. You know, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, I am strong. Who's celebrating their weaknesses this morning? Who's looking at the areas of their life that they don't feel quite so good in? And asking God what he wants to do with it. We should be looking at our weaknesses and asking God, what, what are you going to do with this weakness in my life? What do you want to call me to, Lord? And I will celebrate my weaknesses because that is where I see him at most at work in my life. You know, I used to be the worst public speaker you could ever imagine in the world. Like, I, imagine, I remember at school, my knees would, people would be laughing at me because my knees were knocking together and I couldn't really get my words out. But I can do it now. You know, God had a plan. It doesn't make sense to me. This is not, not my comfort zone, not my happy place. Back there, up in the wee room doing the visuals, that's my happy place. But God had a plan to use my weaknesses to share his message. And the only way in which I can do things like this or I can put myself out there is I have to say this simple three-word prayer. Jesus, remind me. And I see his face, I feel his presence, he reminds me of what he's done in my life to bring me to this point, and he reminds me of the promise that he has for my life. He provides a space for me to lean in and to rest on his strength. Now, do I still make mistakes and say silly things and do all sorts of things I shouldn't do? Yes, but we can laugh about it after, it's fine. The good news for you this morning is you don't have to be perfect. You just have to show up. 
You don't have to be perfect. You just have to show up. Show up with all that you have and that will be good enough for God because his strength is enough to carry you through. It's in his power that we accomplish what it is that we are called to on this earth. Unfortunately for us, we have to be willing to walk through our weaknesses. You know, Peter, before the crucifixion, he obviously had a great faith in Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. Peter knew who he was walking with. But when push came to shove, what happened? His faithfulness was lacking in some parts. And I'm not going to say his faith wasn't authentic, but he was in a place where he told Jesus, I will never deny you, but he still did. And you know what he believed to be true about himself when it was brought out into the public arena turned out to be false. What he believed to be true turned out to be false. And there was obviously some kind of disconnect going on there between the faith that he believed he had and the faith he actually lived out. And don't miss this this morning because it's important for us to understand that we could be as holy as we want on the outside. We can do all of the right things, but it's what's inside that matters. It's what's on the inside that counts because external holiness will not get you anywhere. It's like what God said in the Old Testament when Samuel went to anoint David, he said, don't look at what man sees. Look at what God sees. That is what counts. And what I love about the story of Peter is that Jesus saw him for who he was and still he loved him. He knew where he was at in these moments. Now Jesus makes it clear to Peter that he sees him for who he is so that when we get to this second interaction, Peter feels the weight of Jesus' words. Jesus knew who Peter was. And he knows who you are, even if you don't. You know, I was listening to a podcast this week, and they, they sort of illustrated this perfectly, where they say, you don't wait for an apple tree to produce apples before you call it an apple tree. It's always an apple tree, whether it's produced apples or not. God doesn't wait for you to produce fruit before he puts you on mission. He already knows what he's called you to do. He already knows what he has for you. And this morning, I believe God is calling us to step into the arena, to step into what it is we are called to. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what is your calling? What is your mission? What is your family mission? What is Jesus calling you to step into this morning? And if you don't know, if, you, if it's not clear or you don't have it all figured out, that's okay. All you have to do is show up. All you have to do is step forward and say, God, I am willing. So what is your mission? And in these passages, Jesus gives Peter a layout of the mission that he has for him. And we're going to look at that a little bit here. John 21, verse 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus gives Peter the three commands here. First, feed my lambs. Second, tend the sheep. Third, feed my sheep. And while it looks like they're actually one and the same, you'll notice that there's actually subtle differences of what is required of Peter. And as I was studying this, I realized there's actually a whole lot going on here. But what I want to highlight this morning, firstly, is Jesus' commands to Peter. There are three. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Everybody say, bah. Just want you to know that you guys are the sheep in this scenario. Judah, my son, he's learning his first words. Ba is one of his favorites. He's got four words that are his favorite. Ba, 
Moo, Laurie, and Mama. These are his favorites. He's flat out refusing to say daddy. I'm assuming that this is a second child thing or else it's a personality trait. But every time I try and get him, I say, oh, oh you're going to say daddy? You're going to come to daddy? He just looks me dead in the eyes and he goes, no, no, <laughs> mama. <laughs> every single time. Judah is uh, he's the polar opposite to my son Noah. Noah is quite gentle little soul. Noah or Judah is here to wreck things and to cause, cause chaos. That is his personality type. So he's refusing flat out, but he will say bah. So we'll, we'll work on what we've got and we'll go with that. So bah, we are the sheep. Jesus tells Peter these three things. What is interesting to me is that these commands, they're kind of like an outline of the life of a believer. These are the stages that we are supposed to go through as Christians. You see, we start off as these little lambs. We're bouncing around the field. We're full of energy, but we're small. We don't really know what we're meant to be doing. And we need someone to come along and feed us milk or give us digestible substances so we can grow in our faith. And you see, when we first become Christians, what happens is we're all excited. We're ready to go change the world, but we've no idea how we're supposed to do it or how we're even supposed to follow Jesus. And sometimes we can get stuck here if we don't have the right resources or the right food. But what is meant to happen is that once we get a little bit older, our needs are supposed to change. We're supposed to be a little bit more mature. And while we're a little bit stronger, we still, we can stand on our own two feet or four feet, depending how literally you want to take the analogy. But we can stand on our own. We know what it means to follow Jesus. We know where to go. We know how to experience his presence and joy, but we still need someone to come along and feed us. And then there's this third command, which is to feed or to tend to us and to, to make sure we know what we're doing. And then there's this third command, which is to feed the sheep, which mirrors the first command, but the difference is that the, the sheep have matured. The believers are supposed to be mature. They know where to go to get the right nourishment. They're mature enough to digest it so that it will feed their faith, but they need someone to watch over them and to keep the wolves out. And this is the life cycle of a believer, the life cycle of the church. And so Jesus is calling Peter to lead the church. He's calling Peter to shepherd the church through these stages until it reaches maturity. That's a pretty big calling. He's putting a hand up for that job. Nobody. You're wise. Jesus is calling Peter not just to lead, but to serve. To serve his people. And it blows my mind here that, yes, Peter denied Jesus. But Jesus is trusting him with everything here. You see, Jesus said that he himself came to serve and Jesus trusts Peter to carry on the mission. He trusts him to lead and to serve the very people that he came to die and save. There's another side of this interaction because Jesus didn't just give him three commands. He asked him three questions beforehand. Do you love me? In the face of it, it's a pretty strange interaction. But what's actually going on? So he asked these three commands, these three questions. And the two words, we need to understand the words for love that are used in these questions. Because he says, do you love me three times? But we need to understand the context of what he's actually saying. And the Greek words for love that are used here are firstly, agape, which is to describe the love for God. Love the love of God. It's selfless, it's sacrificial, it's unconditional. And the second word is this word phileo, which signifies affectionate or friendship kind of love. And in these passages, what we see is that in the first instance, Jesus asks, do you love me? And the word Jesus uses is agape. Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But the word that Peter uses is phileo. Again, Jesus says, do you love me? Agape. Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Phileo. And the third time Jesus says, do you love me? But this time Jesus uses the word phileo. 
Peter responds, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, phileo. And there's significance in that for us this morning because when we give our lives to Jesus, he commands our everything from us. The Bible says, love the Lord with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Love the Lord with everything you have to give. And what is happening in this interaction is that Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me the way that I love you? You know, that's a big ask. How many of you know that the goal for all of us is to be like Jesus? And we're some way off reaching that. But the goal is to be like Jesus. And he asks me, do you love me the way I love you? He asks him twice. And each time Peter responds by offering the only love that he has to give. You see, Jesus asks for agape, but all Peter has to give him is phileo. And what happens in the third instance is Jesus alters his question to meet Peter where he is at. And there's significance in this for us because we are called to be like Jesus. We are called to be Jesus to this world, to serve him and to lay it all down. But Jesus knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you're bringing to the table. And he is calling that out in you this morning. Because at the same time, he knows exactly what you have to bring to the table. Right at this very moment might not be enough. What you have to bring to the table might not be enough to accomplish the mission. But the good news is that he is enough to accomplish the mission. So Jesus isn't asking you to bring all the ingredients to the table. He isn't asking you to bring enough to feed 5,000. All he's asking is that you bring enough for you and him to have a meal together. He isn't asking you to have it figured out. He's just asking you to show up. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all you have to bring. And this interaction, Jesus is saying to Peter, I see what you have to bring to the table. It isn't what I have asked, but it's enough. It's enough for me to take it and make it enough. He's bringing phileo love, but Jesus says, I will take it and I will make it agape. I'm going to ask the worship team to jump back up. Jesus is not looking for us to have it all figured out. There's no point where you will get to where you will suddenly be ready for mission. There's no point you will get to where you'll suddenly be ready to do everything that Jesus has called you to. All he is asking is for you to show up as you are right now. Why don't you guys stand as we get ready to worship? You know, we're doing our volunteer signups. That wasn't planned, but that's a good opportunity to step forward. Maybe you can sign up for something you don't think you would be particularly good at. Maybe you can sign up for something that's a little bit outside your comfort zone. Jesus is asking us to show up. It doesn't have to be like that. You can show up in any way you want. Serve the church. Serve his people. I remember whenever we were sort of starting out as a church, um, we needed a, a graphic designer. And it was something that I kind of enjoyed doing. I was very terrible at it. I had a job that I was doing that I moderately liked. But what I always wanted to, to be honest, what I wanted to do was do a career change and be a graphic designer. And it was the sort of thing that, literally impossible, it's not going to happen. I made choices in my education years that were poor, that I couldn't just jump ship. But we needed a graphic designer as a church. I had the, the software and I had something in my heart that said, I want to do this. And I was terrible at it. If you look back at our original designs, they're, they're pretty poor. I'm embarrassed by them sometimes. I go, what, what was that? It's one of those ones, you're like, what was I thinking? I hide it. But I didn't have the ability. But I had the heart to do it. And God worked circumstances that were incredibly strange. Weird things happened. I was going to be sent to India at one point against my will. 
long, long story. But my job changed. And as I was doing and I was serving the church, I started to get a little bit better at it until eventually I was handed a contract that said graphic designer on it. You know, that for me was a redeemable moment. The years that that redeemed in my life was a total God thing. It sounds silly. It's not not a major thing. But for me, it was a big deal. And the only reason that that happened and the only way in which that happened was I brought what I had to the table to serve the church. I brought what I had to the table to serve God's people. And it wasn't enough. It was enough to get by. But it's not enough to fulfill the mission. You know, we have, I have dreams that Journey would be a place of creativity. A place of creativity that goes out throughout the world. And that doesn't have to be me. It's not about me. It's about setting something up where people can come and they can be creative. That's the mission on my heart. And I didn't have enough to start that mission. But Jesus did. And Jesus worked it and he worked the situations to make it a place where that is actually something that we can achieve. And that is actually something that I can be a part of. So this morning, what are you bringing to the table? It doesn't have to be enough. You just have to say, God, I am willing. Take this and use it. So God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to serve you, to serve your church, God. And I know, God, that what we have may not be enough, but I ask, God, that you will take it. You will take what we have to bring and you will make it something beautiful like you always do. And God, we stand on the promise that you've done it before so you can do it again. He's done it before so he can do it again. And Father, I pray that you would release courage, you would release boldness in the room this morning to step forward. Thank you, Father.